Well, hello there, Richard Tubb here with another episode of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. Now, you'll know that this season we're focusing on speaking to IT solution providers and managed service providers just like you to understand what makes them tick. And specifically, we're speaking to the MSP companies that won awards in the recent MSP awards from SuperOps. So today I'm joined by Sarah Turner of IT Backbone, who won the award in the MSP with the most innovative marketing and sales campaign category of the MSP awards. Now, Sarah describes herself as a dynamic creative marketer and a data nosy parker. She's a data-led decision maker and is somebody that MSPs can learn a lot from on the subject of marketing. Sarah, welcome to Talk. Hi, Richard. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So I guess before we dive in, help us understand a little bit more about your company, who you work with, what part of the world you operate in and, and how many people are in your team, for instance? Okay, so there's around a dozen of us. Um, we are based in Kent and we work with a lot of Kent-based and Southeast businesses. Um, a lot of companies we find, even if they don't need somebody on the site, we often find that they quite like having somebody fairly local or nearby in case, in, just in case. Um, and sometimes one of our engineers will go to see clients to help them resolve on-site issues. So, um yeah, London and the Southeast. Um, we provide IT support, cloud, migration, um, infrastructure, overhauls and um, builds, anything basically that, that clients need. And everybody is treated as an individual. It's 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 um it's inherent within our business. Yeah. Like that everybody culture. is an individual. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and um so I think that that helps us all live the same approach that everybody is different. Everybody has an individual need as a business and as a business owner or as a stakeholder. Yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. And isn't it interesting, Sarah, I find, you know, as a former MSP owner myself, small businesses like doing business with other local small businesses. So, yeah. you know, even though we can do most of the support remotely, they like to have that that local presence, don't they? So absolutely, uh, yeah. In in actual fact, that's that's a really interesting point. One of our clients um actually asked us about our business when we were um going to meet them at a kind of prospective stage. And it was a really interesting question to me because it, it was a, asked as a standalone question, you know, how big is, what sort of size is your company? And we were wondering what's behind them asking. And um, and actually, we turned out to be a really good fit. And I think they didn't want somebody who was too small to service their business to a, a really high standard. But also, they were. it was really important to them that they didn't have a company that was so big that they were just another number. And they're really not. And I think that um, that was validated really early on that we were the right fit because we were personable individuals. They kind of get to know our engineers. So, yeah, that's a really, really good point that you've um, you've pulled up there. Yeah, well, I guess I'm intrigued as well on a personal level. Today, as we're recording this, it's International <laughs> Women's Day. Yay! Like a, <laughs> uh, what led you uh, to work in the managed service provider industry? What was the path that you took? Um, I've always worked in marketing. So my degree um, was in marketing. And ever since I left university um, quite a long time ago, um, I've always worked in 
in marketing roles. And the thing that led me to IT backbone, I suppose, was um, the individual consultative approach that Jason, the founder, um, was very proud of, quite rightly, that that the company delivers. Um, And I really like, I've worked in a few um, IT companies over the course of my career. Um, And I just really like the fact that I connected really strongly with Jason and Tony, the two directors. Um, They were looking for a marketer who was a problem solver, could kind of take responsibility and ownership of all marketing activities and um, were happy to kind of let that sit with me for decision-making, recommendations, analysis, um, iterations, everything. So it was that kind of the mix of I've enjoyed previous IT roles that I've, IT marketing roles that I've been in. Um, but actually I was very connected with Jason and Tony when I met them. So um, I, I really liked the everybody is an individual. Everybody's services are as unique as their business is. Yeah, I love that approach. I, I, I've got to, we've got to jump into the marketing side of this. So you must be okay. so pleased to win. The, and, and it's a mouthful. So let me get this right here. The most innovative <laughs> marketing and sales campaign awards in the MSP awards by SuperOps. So yes. tell us, if you can, a little bit more about the specific campaign that you submitted for that award that won. And okay. why do you think why do you think IT Backbone won? Well, First of all, it was a massive, massive honour to be awarded um, the category winner. I, w- I was, I was literally bouncing off the walls. It was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> um, the campaign that we submitted um, was a multi-channel campaign, and it was something that um, was a combination of direct mail, emails, and phone calls. Um, we've also um, introduced into um, the sales and marketing process, video, um, some really personalised follow-ups in terms of, you know, if you have a meeting scheduled but they go quiet and they do, it doesn't go ahead. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm a very analytical person and I love detail. So I'm very driven by understanding the data that sits behind any activity that we undertake. So I think... It's easy enough to put something out there, but I think when you've got to stand apart from other people who might well be um, approaching marketing in a very um, kind of broad way, so they just throw loads of stuff and see what sticks kind of approach. Uh, We could do that, but we don't. We target people who are potentially a good fit location-wise maybe or um, the size of business or the industry. Um, We do treat everybody differently, um, although we have a broader approach to doing so in the marketing. So we'll approach people um, perhaps by location or um, industry vertical, or we might say, um, I might look at everybody who has had a meeting scheduled um, but didn't didn't show up. Like, why didn't they show up? What was the what was the customer journey like before their um, before their meeting? 
what was the quality as, um, of their response to the marketing campaign? So what was the nature of their reply? Was it something along the lines of, this is amazing timing, um, you, you've hit me at exactly the right moment, I've got an IT problem right now? Or was it something along the lines of, um, well, I suppose so, nothing to lose, you can show me what you can do? Was it, you know, something, so, so I think the sentiment very much leads what we do further down the, the customer journey. Um, and I think when I was applying for the um, award, I found it really hard to be able to explain our campaign. So um, I could I could spec out the detail of the campaign. Day zero was a letter. Day 10 was an email one. Day, but that, that doesn't make a connection with any of the judging panel. And because of the, the wealth of experience and the names of everybody on the judging panel, I really wanted to demonstrate exactly what it was that the campaign was, because it's not so dry as we send out a letter and then we follow up on email. That's really not very inspiring. But what's inspiring is when we see people um, posting on LinkedIn with a screenshot of the, the pack that we'd sent them, for example, or someone replying and saying, you've made my day. And I really wanted to capture that because that's a, that's something I'm really proud that we can evoke in people. Um, so I think the, the way that I did the submission, I wanted to show the pride and the individualism that we um, that we experience when we do get some positive engagement with our campaigns. Um, so the way that I did that was I made a video, so I showed our story a little bit. And that's what I really wanted to demonstrate was it's not just a bullet pointed word document of this was our campaign. I was like, this is the this is the feedback. This is what we did. This is what the results were. This is what we learned. This is what's kind of coming next to a degree as well. So this is gold. So much to unpack here, <laughs> uh, Sarah, and so many follow up questions there. But the first thing I want to say is, you've just explained. I guess what you've done right is what most MSPs, in my experience, do wrong with marketing, and they treat it in individual silos. So you talked about the joined-up approach that you took towards uh, the marketing. You know, anybody we, we know that sending an email out or sending a direct mail out or making a phone call on its own is not going to, you know, uh, win you new customers. But if you take a joined-up approach to it. It absolutely does work. And I yeah. so I don't know whether you would agree, you know, I, I often talk about like marketing is not an event, it's an ongoing process and, you know, that consistency to it. So absolutely. I'm also intrigued, you know, the joined up approach that you took, but I'm also intrigued how you manage by metrics. You look at what works and what doesn't work uh, and things of that nature. So tell me a little bit more, I guess, about your approach to, you talk to, talk to you, you Explain yourself as a little bit of a of as a data geek. You love <laughs> looking at the data behind things. I say that in the nicest possible way. Um, but yeah, so tell me more about how you manage those uh, uh, marketing campaigns that you put out there. How do you work out what works and what doesn't? It's really difficult. Firstly, I think you just have to trust that a lot of activity isn't measurable. A lot of it, um, you just will never really truly know exactly what has generated somebody's response. I think it's also quite difficult because we work in an industry where it's not the kind of, IT support is not the kind of service you just decide to go out looking for one day. It's the kind of service that you think, 
that's it. Like, I've had enough of this company that I'm with currently. They're useless. They've said that they fixed it. And now it's a problem again. People have to have some sort of emotional response, I think, to really have that straw that breaks the camel's back to the decide pain, the, the pain that they've of, had enough. The pain of staying becomes greater than the pain of moving away at that point, doesn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah, very well said. Um, and I think it's it, it's really difficult to, you can't predict what that point will be, what it looks like and exactly when it will come. Um, so I think what we what we aim to do is create marketing campaigns and marketing activity that keeps us present, available, demonstrates our knowledge um, and just keeps us up to date on, you know, we'll, we'll post content on LinkedIn or Twitter um, and we just have to trust that that all helps in a wider perspective of providing useful information. It's not like we sit on Twitter all, t- all the time and go, buy our services, buy our services. Do you need um, Teams installing? Talk to us now, we can install it for you. Like it's very easy to produce that kind of messaging. Yeah. But it's not, and, and that's the right way for some businesses to go. It's not the right way for us to go. And I think that um, what keeps us focused on the way that we are going with our marketing is that we're very, I, I very much lead everything by our brand values coming first. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we could probably do a whole episode talking about the culture of IT Backbone as a business and that, because it sounds as though you've got it down pat and you're doing really well with that. And, <laughs> and one of the things that I say to MSPs is about culture. It's not just a buzzword. It's not just, just you know, something that you do internally. If done right, it can be something that attracts like-minded people to you. So yeah. as you said, when you joined IT Backbone as a company, you were attracted by the way, the culture of the business. Yeah. So it attracts good employees, but it also attracts really good customers, doesn't it? People who see what you're doing and say, we want to work with somebody like that. So I absolutely love that. Yeah. I want to dig a bit deeper in. So you described your approach uh, in the businesses being, you know, customer experience and customer first. What does that mean in reality for you? Um, <clears throat> I don't want to sound like I'm kind of repeating, but I definitely think it's connected back to the brand values. So I think if you're brand values are not customer first. You can't kind of fake it. If that's not inherent and it's got to be top down, you can't lead from the front, from first line support with a customer first approach unless it really comes from the top and it's embedded all the way, top, bottom, across the the business. I think it's just not truly... Um, something that you can live every day unless everybody is living it as well. And I think that when um, you make a decision to recommend services to a particular client, for example, um, that's very much done as a customer first tactical activity. Um, You know, we have clients who will say, we trust your recommendations because you understand our business so deeply that we know having worked with you for all this time, we know that you're recommending what's right for our business, not just any business. And so we have that trust established with clients. We 
could potentially, you know, recommend a whole load of products or services or add-ons or subscriptions that people don't need, that would be in conflict with a customer-first approach. And I think that there's obviously a business and a customer balance all the time, but we want customers, clients, people at the end of the day to work with us for the, the long term. And I think it's that customer first approach where we say, right, what problem are we helping you to solve? What's different? What does success look like? Why do you want to approach this project? What is it that's going to be going to be new, fresh, old at the end of this? Because then we know that we're, we're helping them to solve a problem. We're not just selling them stuff. Yes, that absolutely makes sense. And again, a valuable lesson for any uh, uh, IT businesses listening to this. So we've, we've talked a, a bit about the, the marketing side of things, obviously an amazing campaign that won you the award and congratulations <laughs> again on that. We've Thank talked you. about the culture of the business there. Can we talk about the tools that you use? Can you give us a peek behind yeah. the scenes a little bit? So what tools do you use to help you with your marketing campaigns? Um, we use HubSpot yeah. as our CRM. So um I kind of live in HubSpot. <laughs> I've got a second home in there. <laughs> um, I I predominantly use HubSpot. I think it's great for um, reporting. You can you can go down so many rabbit holes when you start um, using dashboards and uh, reports and filters, and um, you can start to establish trends over time or you could start to measure kind of the difference in days between two certain touch points um i use canva a lot so i make um visuals that i want to share with the rest of the business where i don't need to go into so much detail so for example i produce our marketing roadmaps in canva so i've got a one-page guide that i can show anyone and they can really quickly see um, exactly the high, which high level projects we're embarking on over the course of a quarter. I do it on. Um, I use InVideo, so I've just started using that quite recently, and that's where I made our um, award submission video. Actually, oh, brilliant! Yeah. yeah. How did you find that process? It's it's a bit fiddly to get used to. Yeah. Um, but I found my feet explore. I want. I wanted to kind of. It sounds really cheesy, but go out of my comfort zone. Yeah. But I had to explore how to use it because I I know that obviously video is everything and everywhere at the minute. So um, I thought, actually, it's not something that I need to go and do a huge in-depth course to learn. And it's something that, you know, is very user-friendly. And um, I was able to get to grips with it. But the more that I learned, the more I kind of went poking around yeah, makes sense. And will uh, for anybody listening to this and, and frantically scribbling down all the tools that Sarah's mentioned, <laughs> please don't worry. We'll include everything in the show notes for this episode with links uh, away there. Still on the subject of tools, though, um, how do these tools help you make those data-driven decisions that you talked about? What parts of your marketing are working and whatnot? What do those tools do for you in that? Um, I do. I am very data-led. Um, however, that said data isn't always statistically significant. So I think there has to be a balance between using your intuition and saying, based on my experience and my understanding and my knowledge of what 
campaigns have previously worked or how the numbers have looked um, in the past, I tend to make decisions using both. So qualitative and quantitative data is really, really valuable. And sometimes, you know, there'll be a campaign that you run that it doesn't work and it's it's a real disappointment when it doesn't work, especially if you've, you've yeah. come up with like a really great creative that everyone has been excited about and then it just does nothing. Um, however, I'm very um, iterative, so I'll always come away and evaluate if something hasn't worked, what was it? Was it, you know, the time of year, the time of month? Um, was it the creative? I'll look at things like um, hot jar sessions, perhaps, if we've sent um, campaign traffic to a landing page where we're, where we've put hot jar code on. So um, for, for the benefit of people who are not familiar with hot jar, tell us what, yes. what that does. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing and it's creepy. <laughs> all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it records um, web sessions, anonymized, uh, but it records web sessions so that you can see what user behavior is. So um, if you are looking at a whole bunch of numbers in Google Analytics, Hotjar is the kind of um, immeasurable um, element of website analysis that's missing from analytics. Um, it, it allows you to see heat maps of where the mouse or, or the um, kind of scroll goes. Um, my favourite part is rage clicks. Rage <laughs> clicks? What are rage yeah. clicks? Rage clicks are where um, someone clicks and clicks and clicks because they expect something to be a link. Ah. They just keep going like click, 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 click. <laughs> and then they can't, it's not a clickable. Because if you click harder, we all know, or if you click more often, it's more likely to work. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Having said that, do you know what? It can be really handy because rage clicks can help you see where people expect to be able to navigate. Right. And if that is a really useful part of the website from a visitor perspective, but you haven't thought of it from a business perspective it can actually be really handy because it can basically give you the gift of showing where some really quick wins could be on updating your website to make it a bit more valuable to visitors. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. We've just got a uh, uh, rage clicks is a new one to me. Hot is aware <laughs> of, but and again, for, for anybody uh, listening to this, uh, we'll, we'll include uh, links in the show notes to everything that Sarah's talked about, including Hotjar, and you can learn all about Rage Clicks as well. <laughs> obviously, this season we're speaking to award winners like yourself, Sarah, uh, people who have uh, companies that have won uh, MSP awards uh, by Super Ops. Where did you hear about the MSP awards by Super Ops? How did you find the entry process? I think that I found it on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, I love the Super Ops content. I think I think they've done a fantastic job of immersing themselves in the industry. Um, and again, it's through that value-added content. You know, it's not just by our platform. We're here by our platform. It's great. It's shiny Agreed. and new. Buy it. It's it's valuable. It's engaging. You can tell there's real people behind the business because of the language and um, you know the tone of voice that the that all of the content that they um, make available for, for potential customers co to consume. It's really personable. It's really enjoyable to read as well. So I think that makes it easier to warm to a brand if you can 
you know, feel like you you benefit or you enjoy reading what it is that they're putting out. Yeah. Um, I found the I found the application process quite easy. Um, like I said, it was it was something that um I made a video for because I really wanted to show the the kind of tactical, tactile element of what our campaigns were um and kind of tell the story so I thought actually I can't do that just by writing out the elements of of the campaign and you know some of the numbers around what we've done um so I thought actually how can I make a stand out how can I be innovative because that's what the <laughs> that's what the award exactly. um, category included so I was kind of it made sense to me when I when I really thought about appealing to um and uh, to the judging panel and standing out I thought uh, the the simplest way for me to do that is to make it visual yeah well I've got to tell you I know you're going to inspire a lot of people Sarah but you've inspired <laughs> me and my team personally as well so oh, your, thank award, you. your award entry you know um uh, reminded us really that proposals and uh, uh sharing information doesn't have to be just a document it can be video it can be images it can be all sorts of different things uh, so we're actually putting a proposal together at a moment for a potential client and we've gone in a different route very similar to yourself and we're putting it together as like a video and a, a presentation there so fantastic thank you from from me to you and your team for inspiring us on it so uh, oh you're very welcome that's great to hear <laughs> What does winning an award like this mean for IT Backbone as a business? How are you utilising, you know, the, the 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 good feeling that you've got off this award? It's great to know that we're doing well. It's 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 a real kind of, you know, I would say that our values are our north star. So we know exactly where we're going because our values keep us on the right track. It's great to have that recognition. Um, from such prestigious people in the in the industry and it's real validation that you know what we're doing actually is working and it's is something that we can be proud of so um it's everyone was really really delighted when I shouted out the news and was bouncing off the walls and everything <laughs> would you recommend this type of award to to other msps renter because i know from being an msp myself people often think ah oh, we'll, we'll never win it so you know what was the process like for you would you recommend this to others absolutely and i think when i was looking through the categories to to enter there were that the marketing and sales innovation category was the most logical one for me for us to enter because I knew that I could tell our story um people might resonate with another category or they might think oh I'll never I'll never win it but they're never going to win it if they don't even enter yeah and I think the more you can stretch that comfort zone that that people can tend to spend a lot of time in the more you can stretch it the further it stretches and you're never going to win it if you don't try and if you try then that maybe gives you a little impetus to stretch a little more and try for something else. Or maybe um, maybe you don't win it, but maybe you think, actually, that entry process taught me a lot and it gave me some questions or some kind of avenues that I want to explore. Yeah. And we've already talked about SuperOps uh, as a company, you know, how you're a fan of their marketing. I am a huge fan as well. I think they're yeah. a really personable uh, company, but 
Uh, yeah. So if the people from Super Ops are listening to this, I hope you run the awards again next year because it brings people like Sarah to uh, the industry's attention. It mm. rewards uh, people like yourself, Sarah, who are doing incredible work that might otherwise go, you know, sort of uh, unspotted and that. And um, as I said, you know, it, it does inspire other people as well. So um, Super Ops, keep this going for next year. Yes, Sarah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Do you know what I think? Yeah, go ahead. No, I think it would be really helpful. I would love to see a forum where um, the winners and entrants get to learn from other category winners and entrants as well. Wow, that's a really um, good idea. And yeah. I, I think that'd be amazing to do because I'd love to hear, um, you know, things like um, the Community Award winner, for example. Yeah. I think that's in, like, what can I learn? What is there that we could maybe try or it's really interesting hearing about um growth or uh sustainability or uh, literally so many other perspectives of running a business and I think it would be amazing to get all the all those people in the same space I think that's a brilliant idea. And I'm going to mention that to Arvins, who's the CEO at oh, uh, SuperOps, pass that along. But here's something that I, I will say we will do as well, Sarah. So we're, we're lucky enough to be able to interview people like yourself, all of the, you know, the awards winners uh, from the uh, SuperOps Awards. We're going to put together an ebook of this entire series of you know, all the advice from yourself and other people, put it together in a book there. So hopefully MSPs can benefit from, from that as well. So you've inspired Amazing. me uh, with that. I've just said that <laughs> out loud. Of course, it's not going to be me doing it, Sarah. It's going to be the team. <laughs> so there you go. There's team go team. Me, but we'll, <laughs> we'll put that uh, But yeah, that's a really good idea on Super Ops about uh, getting the winners together to, to talk more openly about it. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, yeah, that'd be good. I guess back to you personally. I'm I'm intrigued now. What have you found the most challenging about marketing an IT business? I think potentially the, the length of the sales journey, right? Um, but also the fact, like I like everybody knows, you don't just go out looking for a new MSP for fun. It's not just something you decide to do one day for a lot of businesses. So. Um, I think until that pain point is is hugely problematic, companies aren't necessarily primed to want to hear from you and engage with you. So I think that can be quite challenging. Um, but, you know, it goes back to being valuable and um, sharing content and um, consuming other people's content as well. And, um, you know, just kind of, offering value, offering different perspectives and thoughts and, um, you know, engaging with other professionals within the industry to kind of learn and share and um, just kind of, you've got, you just got to hang in there really, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and you've touched upon a number of different things. The the length of the sales cycle for, for MSPs can be difficult. Mm. The other thing um, we realised is that, uh, you know, clients, put up with a lot of pain off some pretty poor IT providers, actually. Yeah. Things get too bad. And as you said earlier on in our conversation, the straw that broke the camel's back, and then they're going to start looking around. So, you know, that of mind with clients, uh, potential clients is really, really powerful because you don't know when that moment's going to come that they yeah. decide, we've had enough of these guys, we're going to speak to Sarah and the team at yeah. IT. Yeah. <laughs> What about on the flip side of it? What would you say is your favourite thing about marketing an MSP? Um, I think it's very close 
to it being a really long journey, actually, uh, because when somebody does engage, it's really exciting. (laughs) So I think that when somebody does respond to marketing or say, um, we might get a message from somebody who says, I've seen your LinkedIn content, um, that got me thinking, um, I'd like to meet up with you. That is so rewarding because we know that the long game is working. Yeah, yeah. And do you, I don't know if you get Sarah, just speaking out loud, I've been blogging for like 20 hours and then there's periods that I go through where I'm like, I'm not sure anybody's reading this. I'm not sure anybody's yeah. out there. And then all of a sudden somebody gets in touch and says, hey, I've been reading your stuff for the past six months or three years or whatever. Yes. Does that happen to you, Sarah? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you know what? Um, our MD, Jason, yesterday and I were messaging. He'd, he'd had a very similar kind of message from somebody. He'd seen a post on LinkedIn and messaged him. And I was really excited because it was like, <laughs> yes, it's working. It does work. The system works. <laughs> yes. But- now, you've worked at a few different IT companies. Obviously, you're very happy at IT Backbone. Yeah. In your experience, what is the biggest mistake that you think MSPs, IT companies as a whole, make when it comes to marketing? Um, I think it's a very easy and um, common mistake, but I think not marketing for long enough. So you might have a campaign that runs and say, it doesn't generate any leads or you don't get any, but whatever your definition of a lead is, the campaign doesn't deliver leads or the volume of leads perhaps that, that you were hoping for it to. It doesn't necessarily mean that it hasn't worked. It just means it hasn't worked now. And I think it's very easy to then switch to something else yeah, or to stop it. If it's a longer campaign that say, I don't know, like you're running it for six months, whatever that looks like maybe. And then, you know, that, that six month period doesn't bring you any leads or meetings or new contracts, what, you know, whatever kind of goals and targets you have for the campaign. I think you just got to keep going. Yeah. Got to have some faith there. And yeah, so, absolutely. And be consistent with it. Yeah, definitely. You never know when somebody is going to read your content at the right time. Yeah, that makes sense. You are clearly a student of the game, so to speak, that you're a student <laughs> of marketing. You show such a passion for it. Let me ask you this, Sarah. Where would you like your marketing efforts to be in, say, 18 months' time? I think our North Star continues to be our values guiding our direction. It keeps us aligned to our potential clients. It also helps us understand if maybe some companies aren't the right fit for us, Mm. um, which is just as valuable as understanding the companies that are right for us. I'd I'd just like to see us continuing to succeed, continuing to to evoke emotion and generate contact from people who are interested in what we do and just, just to kind of keep growing it, really. Yeah. What about obstacles getting in the way? What would you say are the potential challenges that might stop you uh, you know, achieving your marketing goals over the next 18 months? I think it's that longevity piece yeah. again. I think it's the the journey being so long. Um, and the emotion isn't always there throughout a lot of it. You know, ev- everybody's pain points are different in, in a different business. And their kind of tolerance levels as well are all different. You know, some... Somebody might put up, like you say, for for years with a 
terrible IT support service, but then they might just snap one day and decide that that's it, they've had enough. Someone else could last maybe a year, six months. So I think because you can't control that, the thing I always aim to do is to be invested in the long game. So just just keep going and keep going with activities that align to your values. Because then you know that you're you're delivering what's unique about your business. Yeah, such valuable advice, Sarah. Thank you for for sharing that with the audience. I'm really intrigued as well. Who influences Sarah Turner? Have have you got any mentors? What about like authors, speakers who have made an impact on your life? I listen to a lot of podcasts. Mm. I tend to subscribe to a few because I know then that I'll be able to consume the episodes realistically rather than subscribing to a a big, massive number of them and never getting to listen to any. I hear you. Um, (laughs) So at the minute, I would say um, I listen to Mel Robbins a lot. I think she's amazing. She's got a new podcast um, that she started last year. It's I love it. It's phenomenal. Um, Jay Shetty, another one. Yeah. Um, Mel Robbins has also got a book that I've read recently called The High Five Habit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use her five, four, three, two, one rule quite often. She's got some fantastic talks on um, motivation is garbage. I think one of one of her um, favourites is. Um, there's another nothing to do with um, work or or development or anything, but there's a podcast called Feel Better, Live More that mm. I love. That's by, um, have you, have you heard of it? Yeah. Is that uh, Dr. Chatterjee? Yes. I yeah. love it. Yeah. yeah. It was, that was actually recommended to me by another, uh, MSP. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Paul Crooks, uh, who runs an MSP in Carlisle recommended it to me, but wonderful. Have you read uh, Dr. Chatterjee's books as well that go along? With I have. It? Yeah. And I've, I've also bought a lot that he's um of the guests that he's interviewed on his podcast so there's an amazing one called indistractable Mm. and it's fantastic um and james clear atomic habits that's another one um i've i've read that half a dozen times at least i think yeah um i love reading reading's a treat reading's like a special um special experience that i just like, like i really look forward to it that's my kind of way of relaxing and yeah well thank you for for sharing uh, those uh influences on you as well because what we'll do we'll include them in the show notes because people are always interested in what's the next podcast what's the next book that i should read and yeah. you know, james clear dr chatterjee and so many other uh, things there mel robbins we'll include them all in uh, the show notes uh, but i guess we're, we're approaching the end of our time together uh, sarah yes so, yeah <laughs> it's already quickly you you have delivered so many value bombs for our listeners so many uh, different types of, uh, of knowledge that people can run and, and, and take and run with within their business. And uh, and again, we were connected thanks to the amazing MSP Awards by Superop. Yes. Congrats again on winning that award. Thank you. Um, as, as we come to the end of our time, have you got any golden pieces of advice to give to budding MSPs who want to win an award like this one day? I would say enter, even if you're not in a position where you feel confident that you could win it. I think it's the entering. I think it's, if you, if people are maybe thinking, or oh, haven't got the confidence to enter, I, I would say you don't just naturally have confidence. You yes. 
build confidence by doing. So I say, I would say by taking the action, embracing the challenge, that's that's how you get the confidence after you've got the competence. You know, you take take all the steps and you put yourself in an uncomfortable situation, unfamiliar surroundings. I'd say I say just do it and learn as much as you can about your own business and the process and the questions that you're answering um, throughout an entry process as well. That is mind-blowingly good advice there. And that is the soundbite of the year that you just get. You get the confidence after you get the competence. I love that yeah. oh, uh, approach there. Really, really good. <laughs> I, I should say just as a, a, a sort of a closing note, when I ran my MSP business we, and when we entered awards, we were really nervous. But I would just reiterate what Sarah's just said there, that actually winning the award or not winning the award is not the point. It's going through the process. Yeah of delivering the award entry that reminds you all the things you're doing well. And secondly, reminds you of the things that you can do even better in the future. So it's a real learning experience, isn't it? Just entering for an award. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think also, you know, you could just, just by entering, you can ask and answer uncomfortable questions you're probably not willing to do every day. Um, You know, whether, whether or not you are successful in winning an award is, it's not it's not really the most valuable thing that you can learn the most valuable thing is learning what you can do differently or what you can improve or what you can try or change and i think you know if you pull out those actions and those insights through entering an award do it yeah Absolutely. Now you're going to have made a lot of new fans through episode, people listening <laughs> to you. So I know if anybody wants to reach out to to you personally, Sarah, to continue yeah. the conversation, or if they want to take a look at, uh, at what you're doing with the business, where can they find you on the social media and all those things? Okay. So um, Twitter, we're on at IT Backbone. Um, we're on there sort of daily. I'm not, um, I don't have the capacity to be on there um, as often as I'd quite like to be. But um, yeah, we're on Twitter, we're on LinkedIn. um, So our company page is IT-backbone-limited, all in uh, a proper word. And me, I'm on LinkedIn as Sarah-Turner-IT-backbone. Brilliant. So I think you're going to be inundated with requests from, you're going to pick up a lot of new followers and being that. So I'd encourage anybody listening to this, if you've been inspired as I have by Sarah's story here and and then what they're achieving at IT Backbone, reach out to her, continue the conversation because uh, this is a lady who knows what she is talking about. Sarah, this has been a real treat for me. I hope you've enjoyed this as well. I've had a blast. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. (laughs) I've loved it. Thank you, Sarah. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Hey, 
Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.